My name is Tarago. I'm a fighter from the Soviet Union. I fight all my life and I never lose. Soon I fight Rocky Balboa and the world will see his defeat. Soon the whole world will know my name. Rocky podcast, Rocky Four, No Easy Way Out. Joining me, as he's done throughout this entire series, is doing. What's going on, man? You know, out of all the films we're going to talk about, uh, this is the one that's probably the most divisive um, among Rocky fans. You know, a little while back on the Fight Game Facebook group, we had people rank uh, the Rock- Rockies in order of their preference. And I think the only film other than the first one that a good number of people put down as their favourite was Rocky Four. Now, there was a lot of people who also put it down as their least favourite or, you know, near <laughs> the bottom of the, the list as well. And, you know, I think what that really is based on is what we were talking about last time which is like you know there's people who wanted the serious r- boxing film from r- rocky and there's those who kind of like rocky as the more dramatized roller coaster ride it would later become and i think you know that's really what this comes down to if you like that rocky this is probably the ultimate version of that movie and if you're looking for the more subtle Something like the, the 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 first film. This is probably not going to be your cup of tea. Now you have to remember at the time they're making this, like we're all, the best part of a decade in, where they've been making a new putting out a new Rocky every th- three years, and I think they were probably getting to a point where they were like, okay, what do we what do we have Rocky fight against next? You know, what, how can we escalate this next one? And the route they chose to go was to play on political tensions. Um, Stallone himself said that the idea for Rocky IV came about from the the 1938 fight between the great Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling. Schmeling, you know, at that time was being used as a puppet by the Nazis um, while Lewis was the American champion. So I think Sly's idea was to kind of bring that idea, bring that concept into kind the kind of that time period and use uh, use it to play off cold war tension um of course in doing that they needed to find another formidable foe for rocky and you know we were introduced to one of his first uh 
acting roles, Dolph Lundgren, who plays Ivan Drago. Um, Bridget Nielsen, who's with Stallone's wife at, at the time, she uh, is brought in to play uh, Ludmilla Drago, Drago's wife. Um, they're both Scandinavians playing Russians. I think. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think Dolph is from Stockholm, and uh, uh, Bridget is from somewhere around Copenhagen. But uh, you know, they were two new additions to the cast. But like, you know, there was some other new additions to the cast as well because. Not only lending his music to this, but also making a very special guest appearance was the uh, hardest working man in show, but Mr. <laughs> James Brown. Yeah. And- what an amazing rewatch that you're watching a Rocky movie and like smack dab in, in the middle of a scene. Uh, a James Brown music video just, just just blows up and and you have Apollo dancing in the background like... Man, like just rewatching that, it was like, whoa! The 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 mid eighties were nuts. And you know, this is the one film actually where you know the great Phil Conti isn't overseeing the music. Uh, Vince Tacola steps into that role for this one. I think, I think, and I'm sure you can uh, fill me in on this. I think Phil uh, Conti was tied up with the Karate Kid films at, at, at this time. There are two different stories. That is one of them, and I did look for an interview with him, which I did find uh, from a few years ago. And uh, we will uh, we will talk about that when we get into the stuff about the soundtrack, because the soundtrack is decidedly different from the soundtrack of the first three films. And that is that is a big part of, I think, uh, the difference in this movie. But also, you know, as we will describe the change in and, um, you know, I've always called this movie the music video version of Rocky. And it, it's, I mean, we're right smack dab in the, in the middle of the MTV generation. I think this film, um, it's, there's like a change in, 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 in the movie industry as it is, you know, I mean, making a, a third sequel is, is almost unprecedented though, you know, Star Wars and, and, and there are others that had done sequels, but you know, to keep bringing this character back over and over and over and over, and you have to change with the times. Now, if you watch Rocky four compared to, um, the other films, it's probably the one that stands out as like maybe the most dated just because it's there's all the trends that are happening in 1985 or or right in this film as well but um going back to what you said because you made an interesting point about how polarizing this film is and i've always had a theory about anything that came out in the mid to late 80s and why it is so familiar and popular to a generation and and it's it's you know it's probably folks who are closer to your age than than my age but if you are we're moving a, into my my lifetime and this this came in 1985 a little a little while after i was born yeah so you know if you are around your age or even a little bit older probably a little bit older and you first got cable television and you first got a vcr talk about the commercialization of these films and not only just making money from the uh, the box office gate, which this we'll talk about that later, but this film does the, the biggest uh, global box office of all the films. But also, there's another way to make money from these films, which is to sell the rights to HBO or Showtime or, or, or wherever. And then a third way is to 
sell it to video stores so that video stores can rent these films to um, to children. I mean, to to adults who have children. And um, one of my buddies was talking about a wrestling show that he had watched so many times as a kid because whenever his family would have parties, they would say, okay, you know, the adults are going to hang out here. You kids, you guys can pick out two or three movies, and then you boys can pick out a wrestling thing. And he said, you know, basically he he had picked out the uh, 1992 Royal Rumble like seven times <laughs> over a span of like a year and, you know, was able to... That's why he's so familiar with that match. And I feel the same about why people are so familiar with this movie um, and I want I want your thoughts on that in a second, but related to that and related to my comment about the MTV uh, generation, they don't actually let the viewer breathe in this movie, except when Apollo dies. And there's a there's a flat part of this movie where you kind of have to deal with the emotion of that. But before and after that moment, it's just everything is happening, happening, happening. Music, mu- music montage happening. Ha- music montage, and you don't really get a chance to sit and and like think about the movie. So, as far as like a movie that is moves the fastest of all the Rocky films, this one goes by in the snap of a fingers because you don't have time to sit with anything. It's just movement. A hundred percent of the ninety minutes of this movie. Yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right on that. Even people who don't like this film, like can't imagine them saying it's boring you know there's a quick establishment of what the premise for the film is up front and then afterward it's all just it's all just um music videos which are all designed to get you into the fight to want to see the the final fight um what you mentioned about the the the, the videos is 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 interesting because like probably the two the two wrestling shows i've seen the most in my life are the 92 royal rumble and wrestlemania 8 which Mm -hmm. was the kind of the area you're talking about yep and yeah i think i think there is a lot of strength to what you're saying in that because when you were a kid back in those days you would just watch videos over and over and over again like i remember going to the going to the movie store you you'd pick out a movie you liked and you would get it like several times you might get out a rocky for for several times or you know what was star wars or you know one of these movies that you enjoy and you watch it again and again with your friends that's what you did and you know you feel familiarity with it over over the years and an affinity for it all right, so let's break down the story. We're going to add one other segment to this, which is you mentioned this right at the top, which is we have two new characters in this film. And I think they're really interesting and and they actually play into uh, Creed 2, which will be the eighth film that we talk about. So I wanted to talk a little bit about them. We're not going to dig too deep into Brigitte Nielsen and uh, Dolph Lundgren, but I want I did want to bring them up. So let's talk about the general story first, then we'll hit those characters, and then we'll do our normal stuff, which is you know the scenes that we like, the quotes, uh, talking about the fights, and then uh, the facts and the pet peeves and the questions that I then ask you about the film. Um, okay, so... This there is a distinct difference right from the top of this movie, which is in the very familiar telling of the last fight. You don't hear those familiar horns during that scene. Instead, you hear 
the eye of the tiger. So that is definitely like right away. There is something different about this movie from the first three. Uh, you see the Balboa mansion, which, uh, uh, I don't know if it's the same mansion from Rocky three, but it just looks, uh, it looks very, very gigantic. Uh, and Rocky is, is walking in with, uh, it is Polly's birthday. And for some reason, he's got a shiner. I never understood why he had a shiner. It is very... Okay, my, my thought on this, right, is he says to the kid, a friend gave it to me. And my thought was that it's from the sparring match with Apollo. Ah, interesting. So we are to think that... We're picking up right away. It, but the child is like three years older than than the the child from rocky three yeah that that that, 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 that <laughs> is true but like it's just that line of it was a friend that gave obviously that could also be rocky just you know you know soft softening the story of like what his career is to his kid but i was i kind of read into that it was like it was apollo who gave it to him okay okay that makes a lot of sense um, it, it totally makes a lot of sense because I was about to say this is like the most mysterious uh, black eye since uh, Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania 9 just shows up with a random black eye. Uh, so um, he so he has a black eye and, and they, it's Polly's birthday and they give him this gift. I like that Polly's birthday is just pretty much how a lot of the rest of just trolling the hell out of him. <laughs> Everybody trolls him, and he's in like he's in like a a tank top and just looking as uh, as awful as as he could ever look uh, as a way to show that he's so relaxed and just inside of his house and nothing to worry about, which is uh, a direct contrast from how he opened up Rocky Three. So. Part of Polly's gift is a robot. Again, this is what makes this film so dated, is that it is right in the middle of this like fascination that people had with robots, with uh, the possibility of flying cars, just with technology in general. And uh, we'll talk about this robot in a little bit when we talk about the facts, but the robot is the story of the robot is quite interesting and why it's there. Uh, but it doesn't really, it doesn't tie into the film in any way other than to say that, yep, Rocky is rich. He, he, he owns his own, uh, his own robot. Like he's uh, from the Jetsons in another show of wealth. Um, Rocky, uh, is celebrating his anniversary with Adrian, why it has to be a week early instead of just their anniversary? I don't know. That's what I do. What, what I do like about this is they do mention that, that like it's 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 nine years, so they did at least stick to the to the actual release timeline of the films. They did for the release timeline, but we mentioned in the last film that technically the fight for Rocky Two is only supposed to be. Um, Gosh, what is it like? Uh, is it uh, 11 months? So technically, Rocky Two should be in 77 instead of 79. So I, I, I think it's probably the easiest to say nine years because it's been nine years since the first film. But in the actual Rocky timeline, it's probably closer to like seven um, and... Uh, or maybe eight. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, actually, you're, you're, actually it, it would be... 
Yeah, it would be eight, not 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 nine. So, um, I mean, it's close. It, it, it's very close, but it's just it's just awkward because the second film was in seventy nine, but the fight actually takes place in seventy seven, and the third film is in eighty two, and I guess the fight takes place in eighty two because there there's marquee stuff. So, the 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 timeline has 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 been a little hard to to go with, um, and it'll get harder because the next film, uh, Rocky Sun, is like ages like. I don't know, five years or something in in, in a day. Uh, and so then, uh, so so Rocky gives Adrian her present. He doesn't call it a present, though. He, like, awkwardly calls it a prize. <laughs> it's always weird to me, just the way that he, he says that. Um, and again, in another show of wealth, they show Apollo. This is in, awesome. In his pool with his dogs, throwing tennis balls. And with a TV just outside of the pool. And again, in 1985, that is wealth right there. (laughs) He watches, uh, he's watching a a sports news broadcast and they talk about this Russian, but this boxer from the Soviet Union who uh, is not yet a pro, but who wants an exhibition with this, this weak and poor and small American champion, Rocky Balboa, to show his dominance and to show the Soviet Union's dominance. Uh, Apollo is, uh, is, sees it as a way to rekindle his former fame as a boxer. And he would like a shot at Drago. He calls up Rocky and he says, you know, I want this fight. And Rocky is a little bit trepidatious. Adrian is outright against it. Kind of interesting that uh, Apollo's wife doesn't have a say here. But um, and uh, Apollo talks them into it. And he's like, look, I need this. Rocky, even all the way up to leading in, in, in the locker room for the fight, he is still trying to get Apollo to to put it off or to think about, you know, do, do we need to do it now? What Can we do it in two weeks? Uh, I don't think you can actually do it in two weeks, Rock. The MGM is, uh, is sold out and there's tons of people in the building already. Uh, and so um, Apollo's a little bit of a, a little bit offended because Rocky is trying to tell him that. Apollo's not using this fight uh, because he wants to necessarily beat the Ru- the the Russian. He is using it because he is missing something in his life, and he thinks this is a way to get it back. So, uh, in in a really weird situation, and again, uh, just mid eighties action adventure goofiness. Um, they're they're kind of waiting to to start the fight, and for some reason. Drago is just in the middle of a ring that is underneath the 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 floor of the building that they are going to be in, and he looks like a uh, someone who has absolutely no idea what's going on. The ring comes up into the ball, what looks like the the ballroom uh, of the MGM Grand, which is not the current MGM uh, Grand Garden; it's the old one, which was sold to Bally's. And all of a sudden, as Drago is in complete silence and he the ring raises and there now there's the entire audience. Out comes James Brown to do Living in America and Apollo Creed dancing behind him. And they do a three minute music video right smack dab in the beginning of this film. And it is ridiculous and so great at the same time. 
Now, when you rewatch this scene back, like what, like did it, did, did it, was it exactly as you remembered? Because to like, it was exactly the way I, I remembered it, but still like just so over the top for anything that they've ever done in Rocky. Yeah, it is. But it's one that I will just treasure as like, I like everybody listening to this. I'm a huge fan of James Brown. And just the oh, fact yeah. that he was in Rocky is the coolest thing in the world to me. Yeah, it was, it was so awesome. Okay, so um, broadcaster Stu Nahan, who I believe he's in the first six films. I, I think he's in the first six. Uh, he's in this one, and he passed away in 2007. So right after Rocky Balboa, um, he he passes away. But he he's he's the broadcaster. Uh, the main broadcaster. Uh, he was a West Coast guy. He worked out of L.A. I've n- I couldn't really find any information about why he was in these films. Um, I may do some more digging as as we as we we will see him a couple more times. Um, and in this fight, um, Apollo learns uh, very quickly about the stature. Of him now, th- there was a scene that I that I failed to to talk about, which is actually a really good scene, um, and and I'll bring it up later. But um, they have a press conference, and, and Apollo gets to to do his braggadocious stuff, uh, and he sort of realizes at that point too, like okay, like this guy is like maybe a little bit bigger than I thought. But he gets in the ring, they do the face off, and he looks, he goes from quickly joking to quickly like, oh my god, what did I get myself into? Um, so. Within the fight, he has um, he just gets dominated. He gets a few few jabs in early on. Uh, it's clear that uh, Drago is just being patient, waiting for the right hand. He sees the opportunity, and it is lights out for Apollo Creed. Gets absolutely dominated. Faces a bloody mess at the end of the first round, and um, by the second round, they uh, and uh, hold on, just like this is an exhibition match, and there's about like. 10 or 12 shots that go in from Drago after the bell. I think, like, uh, Lou Ferrifo, who is the referee in this one, probably um, should have had a word with Drago. Maybe, you know, take a point on that one. So as, as we, we, we will get into, um, we will get into our uh, questions and, and sort of pet peeves and, and stuff. But there, there is some, um, there is some pretty crazy stuff in this fight uh, where I guess like, maybe you might as well just talk about it now. Okay, so so the problem that I have with this fight is, as as you just said, you know, there's lots of stuff happening after, and you what, can from, immediately... From what, what you're kind of meant to believe is this is kind of an after-dinner fight, like, you know what I right, mean? Right, More of a... Sp- they call it a sparring session a couple of different times, um, as as if to say, like, it doesn't really count. Like, it's just going to be an introduction. Like, you know, the the fact that Apollo dances for, like, three minutes before the fight is akin to uh, Roy Jones Jr. playing basketball before his fight. And, and so my main problem here is Drago should have been disqualified. Like, immediately, this is an exhibition. The post, uh, the post first round stuff, disqualified and done now that doesn't happen instead what happens is rocky tries to stop it and apollo says don't stop it 
And Apollo looks to his wife, and she's so worried. And he gives her this like sheepish like fist pump that that was should have given her no confidence whatsoever. But right before the fight ends and the the final shot, which uh, kills Apollo, the referee gets pushed. He's coming to stop the fight. So he's trying to stop the fight. He's trying to pull Drago out of there. He's going to wave it off. Instead, Drago pushes the referee down. And Rocky is the one who gets the blame for not throwing the towel. There's the famous gif from Duke saying, throw the damn towel. Rocky could have thrown the damn towel. Referee's on his ass in the middle of the ring and he's not going to be able to stop Drago anyways. The only way this fight could be properly stopped is if Rocky jumps in the ring and does that same double leg takedown that he does in, at the end of uh, one of the rounds. Round the two. Like, that is the only way this thing, gets, this thing is going to end. So Rocky has taken this blame, which heads all the way into Creed 2, where he talks about, you know, there's a scene with him and Adonis. Um about this this happening but i feel like he's been blamed for something that he could not have prevented and it's been unfair to the italian stallion it probably has uh, i think there's a number of people to blame but this one i think like you know the referees and the officials are chiefly amongst them all right we're going to take a break from the rocky four podcast and we're going to talk about our friends at Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online, Giants Dodgers, Thursday night. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And on the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks about his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. And let's get back to the discussion on Rocky Four. Um, okay, so Apollo dies, and we remember in Rocky Three, where after Mick dies and Rock takes the beating from Clubber, one of the main problems with him wanting to fight again is just an overall fear, both from Clubber Lang and because Mick had just told him that he wasn't as good as he maybe he thought he was. So now there's this disbelief in himself. But beating Clubber Lang sure changed the whole confidence aspect of it because Rocky goes from, you know, we, we he, he doesn't look like he's been been fighting frequently, maybe since the, the Clubber fight, probably hasn't fought at all. And then he immediately goes cold death stare, Marvin Hagler, uh, penitentiary face, and it's just like, now it's time. Like, I'm, I'd have to fight this guy. No doubt about it. He doesn't even tell poor Adrian. She has to find out from reporters on her step, does the whole press conference and everything. And there's a missing scene um, the, where... The, this he, is going to come up in my, in my gripes later. Okay, okay. And there's a missing scene where he he does something with the commission as to why it, he, it can't be a title fight. Um, but, like, he he's, like, just... He, he's just so ready to go. And um, 
the uh, the whole second, I guess it's the technically the second half of this fight or this movie. It moves so quickly. Is it goes from Rocky uh, having a discussion with Adrian. Adrian is not down with this fight. She's not going to go to Russia with him. He says the fight has to be on December 25th. And they're like, why of all times? He's like, that's just what I was told. I'm like, come on guy. Like you're, you're the, you're the, you, you have leverage here. You're just going to accept everything. Um, and then, so he, um, he goes on this drive because Adrian tells him that she, he can't win. And that's the, and he, and he, he says this line that's kind of, you can't really hear it, but he says something like Adrian always tells the truth. And he was so brokenhearted when she said that. And so then he does... He also, though, sorry, um, uh, Apollo had kind of mentioned when Rocky was trying to talk him down at the fight, he'd kind of mentioned something about, like, we don't change, we don't have a choice. And Rocky echoes that back to Adrian then. Right, right, yes. And so uh, he's he's brokenhearted, and he goes in a drive in his Lamborghini, um, and he just thinks about every single movie that has happened prior uh rob robert tepper's no easy way out plays and i still to this day we'll, we'll get to it in favorite scenes but i i like i if, if if this scene comes on and i'm anywhere near the room i have to stop and i have to watch because i just love this scene um so his training is in russia uh, he brings Polly and he brings Duke, and of course Polly is going to have issues with it being so cold and it's in the snow. And they're in this cabin while Drago is uh, has his own like workout facility that is engineered, uh, and he and has Rocky trainers. Has no, Rocky has no sparring. Okay, this is we're, we'll get to that in the pet peeves. That was the most ridiculous part of, of a ridiculous movie, uh, at least for the boxing scenes. And then um, and so. You know, he does, he does a, like a, there's like a three minute training montage with him doing his style of training. And in one situation, he uses uh, a, a bag of rocks, heavy rocks uh, in a pulley system. And I finally realized that it's actually a tricep workout that he's doing. I always just thought he was just like pulling like, like a dog sled or something. But at the end, he uses a tricep extension with the rocks. So he does his training, Drago does his training, and then it stops. And he goes back to the cabin, and you see Adrian. And then they embrace. And you get to breathe for like two minutes. You're like, oh, okay, I get to breathe. This movie's going so fast. And then back to the training montage. <laughs> and it's like another three minutes. It's like Rocky Two, where you get to double training montage once again. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the first one, sorry, just the, it, it's a song. I think I think... It's just a song. It's just called "Training Montage" mm. uh, by by Fitz de Cola, um, and the second one is um, of a burning heart. It's from Survivor. Yeah, and and uh, when I was watching this with um, with Crystal, she's never seen any of these movies. She was like, "Why is I have the Tiger coming on again?" And I was like, "No, it just sounds like I have the Tiger." Um, and so uh, and so. He does his training. He climbs the mountain. He's got this really thick, rocky beard. He's the mountain man. And this is the training he goes into. The final fight with Drago. He's like, Stallone is in like ridiculous shape. He's doing this these crazy like gymnastic, uh, like ab extensions and 
uh, just like he's doing like all this crazy stuff and he's in ridiculous shape. And we'll talk about who trained him for, for this fight, at least rumored to train him for this, for this movie, uh, in a little bit. Um, you know, they, they're, they, they, we have to call out the the elephant in the room, which is Drago does take uh, a steroid shot. Do people take steroid shots to the shoulder? I don't know. There was there was another thing that I thought was interesting in in, in terms of the drug use is in the press conference they mention about Soviet athletes yeah. using anabolic steroids and blood doping blood doping is not something i'd really heard of as related to boxing up until much 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 later than this like i know i know know it was something that existed in athletics for a long time but i don't i did like it wasn't something that really was talked about in boxing at this time i don't think yeah, yeah. I, the the blood doping one stood out. I you usually hear blood doping around um, the long distance uh, racing and the cycling. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay. So uh, they they have the fight. We see Barry Tompkins rather than Stu Nahan. I don't know why Barry Tompkins is is the the broadcaster here. He's broadcasting it for uh, USA. <laughs> this fight is on uh, the USA channel rather than on. Uh, pay-per-view or closed circuit or whatever or maybe 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 they just use the usa uh, broadcasting team for closed circuit who knows uh so barry tompkins <clears throat> i did find him uh he, he did an interview for ring magazine a couple years ago and he says here's how he described what he did for the movie he said it took two weeks to do an 18 minute scene for the film and it was eight hour days i was bored to tears i was up in vancouver and we had to be in every single shot the audio part took one day but we just sat around for the rest of the time there was one scene where the actor playing drago's manager michael pataki had to run on to the ring apron and say this diatribe in russian in drago's ear at the end of the diatribe, Brigitte Nielsen had to stand up in the audience and say, Niet. That was the only line she had. So the actor said the diatribe in Russian, which he didn't speak, by the way. And Brigitte stands up and says, Niet. Stallone goes through every emotion with her. Give me fear. Give me anger. Give me love. Give me hate. There must have been 32 takes, and the actor doing the Russian line got it right every single time. She couldn't get one word right, and it drove me crazy. <laughs> Barry Tompkins on his Rocky IV uh, moment. And so, Stallone comes into the ring. He is chiseled out of granite. Dolph Lundgren, as well. Yeah, he, he's, he gained probably, ten. I think they said 10 to 15 pounds or something in muscle. Dolph Lundgren is a gigantic beast, and he towers over Stallone. I think and, Dolph is like around my size, like six four, six five, and I think that was one of the things about when uh, he went to, to to you know the casting call initially. They saw him and they just went, "You're too, you're too tall." Oh yeah, uh, and then um, I think Sly liked the look of him or whatever and called him back and decided to use him, even though he had at that that stage had pretty much no acting experience. He did one James Bond movie, and that was it. Um, okay, we'll, we'll we'll talk about his career in, in a second here. Uh, and so then Rocky goes through the fight of his career. And in the 15th round, he is clearly behind on cards. Like, I can't tell if he's even won a round. Maybe, maybe he's won one or two. 
And then he drops Drago. This is after Rocky has gone down like six or seven times. Some of them don't actually count. I don't know why. His gloves touch the, the floor a couple he times. He by the rope a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, like he pulls the rope to, to hang on. And then there's a couple of knockdowns where he goes down really fast. And because he gets up really fast, they don't do any counting. So he just comes back and they, they keep brawling. Just ridiculousness on top of ridiculousness. Um, and in the end, he beats Drago, essentially ending the Cold War. And he does a speech at the end uh, where he basically says, uh, if I can, ch- if you can change and I can change, every everyone can change. And he is cheered right in the middle of the Soviet Union who just sees their uh, trained killer of a boxer sheepishly lose in, in, in the corner. And, you know, all of those sentiments, uh, and we'll talk about it when we talk about Creed Two. But you, all of those sentiments really uh, are, are told fairly well in Creed Two, and when uh, Drago and his ex-wife and and his son come back, like they are the ones who now need to redeem themselves because of this fight where Drago lets his entire country down, and so. Well, that- one thing you, you you didn't mention there is Drago turns on the the regime before that last round yeah he basically um he, he he knows he's a hired hand in a sense right he he is like he's starting to see the puppet strings right he is he is the puppet for the entire regime and when they basically say you are embarrassing us he does go he does like finally break through the roboticness and he's like I don't I don't do this, you know, just for you guys. I, I do it for me too. And uh, well, that's it it is actually one of my favorite quotes when we get to the quote section. Um okay, so these new characters that we're talking about, Ludmilla Drago, Brigitte Nielsen, uh she supposedly is 6 foot 1, which would make her actually taller than Stallone. By a good, um, good margin, probably. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that they had been married. We were married for about a year and a half. She's in Red Sonia with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Rocky IV in the same year. And she's also in uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, two years later. So her career, like, really starts off with a bang. And if you look at her career after, at least in the U.S., it, it's not as strong, and she does a lot of reality TV. Some may remember her uh, in the U.S. on the TV show The Surreal Life, where she met Flavor Flav of Public Enemy, and they become a couple. It was an interesting couple for sure. Um, and then um, she's a, 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 little, a little thing that I, I people probably don't don't know, but I'm I'm a big Michael Jackson fan, so he does a music video for the song Liberian Girl, which is on the Bad Album. Now, I don't really remember this getting distributed uh, like on MTV. I, I don't really remember seeing it at all. Like there was, I think there was a second version that may have gotten played on MTV. But in this version, the story of the show, or sorry, the video is Michael Jackson has invited all of these celebrities from 1987 to be in this film uh, this this music video for Liberian Girl. So there's like all these shots of all these celebrities. Brigitte is one of them. Um, 
And at the end of the at the end of the the song, then everybody sees Michael and he just waves at him and they realize, oh, Michael got us. He's been filming us the whole time for this music video. And so you're talking about the creme de la creme of 1987 uh, celebrities in this Michael Jackson video. Uh, so that's how big she was at that time. Like, you know, you're not getting into Michael Jackson video unless you're sort of meaning something to pop culture at that time. So uh, in this series, she will come back for Creed 2. She's a very, like when I saw that scene in Creed 2, not knowing that she was going to be in the movie, but like hoping she was going to be in the movie, I was still shocked. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they brought her back. So that was a pretty, it was a pretty cool part. And so Ivan Drago played by Dolph Lundgren. He's actually born Hans Lundgren. I don't know how, I don't know if Dolph is his middle name or just a, a nickname or something. Um, but he did have a fighting background. He's a black belt in a specific type of a Japanese karate. He was a bodyguard for Grace Jones. Talk about the 1980s. Uh, and they end up being a couple. He would also work with Sly in The Expendables. Uh, I guess three different films. And he, and, and he comes back in Creed 2 and has a really big part in Creed 2. Uh, and his first film is in the James Bond movie I mentioned, uh, A View to Kill. But basically he said is, you know, he goes into the the premiere of Rocky IV as, you know, just Dolph Lundgren, the bad guy. And he said literally when he exited the premiere, it was like a whole different thing. And this, this movie just launched him into, you know, what what, what his career became, but just you know just just uh 90 minutes later all of a sudden he's he's the big deal i and i think like you know one of the things like he brought a lot of the character to drago as far as i'm aware like it was his decision to play it a very cold machine like character uh, so you know it, it is something that you know he deserves the full credit for making it so, it's such an iconic character because I, I don't think that was necessarily how it was written i think that was something that you know he established in it I, I will have an alternate theory about that, um, and, and it's 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 not not anything I've read, but just kind of what I've always wondered about that role. Because I mean, what does he have like five lines in the whole film? Yeah, pro- probably. <laughs> okay, but so they're, but they're all they're all they're, they're all they're all very quotable. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, let's get to the to the favorite scene section. Uh, I will throw mine out, and if you have thoughts, uh, feel free to uh, comment. And then you'll you'll throw ones that uh, that that you like as well. So, I think um, a very underrated scene is is one that we kind of went over a little bit, which is Apollo and Rocky are watching their second fight, and Apollo is absolutely loving the fact that he is just tagging Rocky in this fight, and he's just laughing. He's like, man. You know, and Rocky's like, oh, all I'm doing is getting beat up here. And um, and Apollo goes into this little soliloquy about how, you know, the fans and the crowd are gone. Like, people aren't asking him for autographs anymore. And that's part of the reason that he wants to do this because he misses that. He misses being somebody. He misses being the heavyweight champion of the world. And this is where Rocky asks him, you know, are you sure it's not you against him? Is it you against you? And and Apollo just gets so angry with him because partially because he knows that Rocky is 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 right. 
And, you know, any dialogue scenes with Carl Weathers and Sylvester Stallone, I, I'm all for. You mentioned a few of them in, in the Rocky Three uh, podcast that we just did. But, you know, Carl Weathers is an excellent actor. And Stallone has his charms and from time to time can be a, a pretty good actor. There are many scenes in this film where he's not a very good actor. But, um, you know, just knowing that Apollo is going to be written out of this film and uh, they're, they're buddies, right? Like after they were rivals, then Apollo helps him beat Clubber. And now they're just like best friends. Like it, it's a really cool, it's a really cool uh, scene. And, and I sort of wish like we got more of the time so I could see them as, as best friends more than just this, you know, these, these couple scenes in this movie. Yeah. This was actually also the first scene I had down and, you know, Rocky's kind of saying, like, you get the impression in that early part of the movie that Rocky's kind of, you know, happy with his lot and he's ready to step aside again. And he's kind of the one saying it's, it's saying to Apollo, look, we don't have anything to prove by fighting these, going in there with these young guys. We're not as, we're, 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 we're not what we we once were. Um, and it's Apollo who's kind of looking at it. Like, he even says at the dinner, I think he says something like, I've seen this guy as an amateur. You know, he's clumsy. You know, I can outbox him and things like that. You know, so he, and he has told you in the, in the last film, at the end of the last film, he's told you he hasn't come to terms with the loss to Rocky. And, you know, he, he's very open about it here. He's saying like, look, people don't care about me anymore now that I'm retired. And he's seeing this as like, I, like, People th- think I'm washed up. I can beat this young guy. He doesn't have the experience I have. And, you know, that that's my gateway b- back, back to stardom. And, you know, it struck me as something that in a very cartoony movie was extremely real. It seems like, like that is a dialogue that a lot of fighters have. And we've talked about this over the first three films, that the drive and the fear... And a lot of the marketing of of boxing and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, they do a really good job with a lot of that in these films. Like you can tell Sly is a student and a historian and he gets a lot of that stuff right because if he didn't... Um, I think he. I think the heart of the of the movies wouldn't be there, and he really understands that. And as far as I know, he's not even really an athlete. Like as as far as like growing up or whatever, I, I don't think he really. You know, it's not like he he was great uh, athlete and played on tons of sports teams. He never mentions any of that. So, um, it, he but he does get the tone of all of that stuff pretty right on. Okay, my second favorite scene is the press conference between Apollo and uh, Drago. And it's not, there's not necessarily anything special about this scene, except that you get to see Apollo Creed be Apollo Creed one last time. He is in absolute sell mode. The only thing that Drago has to do to sell on his side is just to look like a mean guy. And he does that very well. Uh, Brigitte Nielsen and his uh, manager are the spokespeople for him. So they do the talking and they are not here to sell this thing. They know it's an exhibition. That's not the way that they're used to. This is American boxing where you got to sell, sell, sell. And Creed is on his A game. He looks like he is absolutely so happy to be back to be the Apollo Creed in front of the media again 
and he's just having the time of his life. Like I really love seeing him as Apollo Creed again. Yeah, and you can kind of see that Apollo is sort of working the crowd as well. Like when when things start getting heated with him and Drago, and it all starts to kick off, you know, imme- like you know, he looks like he's in a rage, but then immediately afterwards when he's talking to Rocky he says how did I do and like in a very casual way and Rocky says a little loud for my liking and Apollo goes a little loud but good and Rocky says yeah oh yeah yeah good <laughs> yeah no it's it, it's a good scene uh and so I, I don't think we really have to set, set up this one the James Brown sequence is fantastic it is another scene that if this movie is on and we're getting pretty close to this, I'm just going to watch because I can't wait to see the James Brown scene. Now, I may skip the fight because the fight is brutal and it's kind of scary, but the whole music video, James singing a song, which became a very popular song. This song was on the radio constantly in 1985 so uh actually probably closer to 86 to 1985 and 86 uh but yeah james in rocky like you said surreal and just a fantastic segment yeah it's such a great song and you know james at that point a lot of people might not remember it hadn't really had many hits in a long time and you know he didn't have a lot of hits after that so it's one one last like really big big smash hit for him and yeah yeah it's just it's it's such a classic song and yeah just everything you said about like apollo apollo being apollo coming out just love it loving it dancing to james brown and drago just like in the ring just completely motionless just not sure what to make of it it's so good and then my fourth one uh is the no easy way out montage now I, I don't like to put the training montages in my favorite scenes because we will talk about them. They're, 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 I mean, they're great. Like, they're, if they're inspiring, if, if anything else. Uh, but the No Easy Way Out montage, the reason why I like it uh, so much is it is um, you almost see all of the things going on in his head. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. As he's driving because he has to deal with the the doubt and the frustration and the fear, but he just deals with it in a much different way in this film. And I thought, I always thought that they told that very well without showing it or without him talking about it. It was literally just in a three minute video package. You know what he's feeling and what he's going through. Yeah. It's like, uh, there's a lot of, I have a lot of favorite Rocky songs, but no easy way out is one of my very favorites. Oh yeah. Um, And well, yeah, what well, you see it there, you kind of see him going through that grieving process. He's remembering his times with Apollo. And then, you know, he's also going through the guilt he has from that fight. You know, he's looking back at what's go- like what I could have what I could have done to change things. You know, how is, is there something I could have done? And then you're also kind of factoring in like he uh, all, all of what's come before that. You're starting to see um a recap of everything that's taken him on this journey from where we started to to where we are now. You see him meeting Adrian, you see his time with Mick, you see you know, you see his fights with Apollo, you see him winning the title, all this stuff. And like I feel like by the time this 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 short clip closes, you have a complete picture of what his motivation is for wanting to t- take this fight. Yeah. And it also has a sense of finality to it. And I don't know if at any point, like we talked about Rocky Tree maybe being the, 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 
the, the final film in the series. This kind of feels like they're setting up like this is the book closer for, for the Rocky character after you watch that, that scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, so least favorite scene in the whole movie is Adrian telling Rocky that he can't win. It's in the dark. You can barely hear Rocky. He's mumbling. Adrian's uh, in the second... Um, she's on the second floor of the home, so she's looking down upon him, and she's just being, you know angry wife and it's it like if you remove this scene from the film it's probably a better film but again it is one of the only like two or three times in the actual movie that you kind of get to slow down and breathe a little bit okay so favorite quotes or actually did what, what did i miss that that you wanted to add okay there's only two like your first th- three were the scenes that i liked most as well there's only two more i wanted to add and one is when they 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 end up in Russia, Duke comes to Rocky's room, and he just comes to check that Rocky's okay. And you know he tells him like he tells him like this is exactly what we need. This setup is exactly what we need for this fight. It fits the purposes. And you know then he tells him like, look, Apollo was like a son to me. I'm suffering a loss here, and like obviously. Rocky's, you know, Rocky's suffering a loss as well. And, you know, what Duke is telling him is like, you know, it's 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 your responsibility to keep, keep his spirit alive. And he says, you know, I, I know you can win this this fight. You're going to have to go to hell to do it. But uh, I know that you're going to be the, the one who, 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 who outlasts them in this. And I think what this does really well is like establish that bond between Rocky and a, Rocky and uh, Duke in a very short scene. You know, Duke has to step into the role that was Mickey's and then Apollo's. And you don't really have time to establish it in the, that. And by having this this short little scene, you kind of get a sense of their, of the, of their bond, bond to, as tra- a trainer and fighter. Some kind of weather we have it up here, huh? Yeah, it's pretty rough. But for what you got to do, it's good. Toughen you up. I guess so. I know you're going to have to do almost everything alone up here. But you know I'll be with you. Yeah, I know. Apollo was like my son. I raised him. And when he died, part of me died. But now, you're the one. You're the one that's going to keep his spirit alive. You're the one that's going to make sure that he didn't die for nothing. Now, you're going to have to go through hell. Worse than any nightmare that you ever dreamed. But in the end, I know you'll be the one standing. That's right. That's right. You know what you got to do. No, it's it's a really really good scene, and I actually have it in in my favorite quotes section. But you know, you you adding it here probably actually actually fits better. Um, the uh, the thing that is so interesting to me about this is okay, if you are Duke, you screamed at Rocky to throw the towel. There's like. 
some frustration that he has to have with this dude, right? Like, it can't only be like, oh, you know, now you're going to do it for Apollo. Like, you got to be like so mad at this guy for not taking the care and the health of, of your guy. But maybe at the same time, he knows how stubborn Apollo is. And if he would have thrown the towel, you know, maybe that would have ruined their relationship. I, I don't know. But there, there's there's a few things in there. But he, he speaks uh, so calmly. And like you said, very much like a mentor, very much like, like manager trainer from experience. And really is, this is the scene... Um, this is like, I, I would say the parallel scene to this is from Rocky one where Rocky realizes that he can't beat Apollo and he comes to this realization and Adrian doesn't really know him well enough yet to say, well, you, you can, you can actually do this. Like, I believe in you. She's just trying to be supportive to his feelings in Rocky three. She basically calls him on his shit and says, you know, quit acting like a baby. But here, Duke is the one, like, because Rocky's fighting with this stuff in his mind, too. He's like, I don't, you know, can I win? I, you know, what am I going to do? This guy's got to be, you know, got to be willing to die uh, if he's going to stand toe to toe with me. And Duke just calmly and confidently tells Rocky that he believes in him and, and, he, and he knows that he can do it. And so that, that is, that is sort of the parallel to those other scenes that were so, uh, that were so beneficial to, to the stories. Yeah, you're right. Like in every one of these films, there's always kind of this point where Rocky needs to hear, like there's something that, you know, some, one of the characters needs to say to set Rocky straight. And, you know, this is this was the scene that Duke stepped into it in this role. And like from a guy who'd been kind of quite a peripheral character up to this point, he really, really like emerged str- strong str- straight off the bat in this film. Um. My last one is actually kind of a very small scene. And it's in the dressing room before the fight where Duke is wrapping Rocky's hands and just you hear the cacophony of the home crowd rumbling up. And Rocky's, you know, just getting ready. He's wrapping his hands. He's praying and then just making his ring entrance. And what I really like about this, I really like two things about this. One, that they... Like Rocky, Duke, and Paulie just look like a really cool team in this. They've got great gear. They look badass coming to the ring. And the other thing I like is just it kind of gives you a sense of what it's like to be in the away corner for a fight. Because, you know, we've had Rocky throughout this series where he's always been the popular guy and it's something he has to come to terms with you know he has to come to terms with going into arena where everybody wants them to lose and like i've heard a lot of fighters say in in real life you know that's not an easy thing to to get used to you know the first time they come out in against a hostile crowd they're like you know it's not a nice feeling to have everybody everybody rooting against you and i think that was just it really gets uh, into the psychology of that just mm-hmm. the way they show you that scene you know there is a rumor that there is a two and a half hour cut of this movie out there somewhere i don't know I, i've only read it in one place but it's possible uh sylvester stallone has like a two and a half hour version of this movie with more scenes like that and less video montages or maybe in the same video montages, but more scenes like what you're describing, really getting to to the crux of, of what's going on. 
Okay, so uh, favorite quotes. Some of these are are really really silly, um, and and the silly ones are mostly Polly, but they still make me laugh. Uh, so the first I think we're one, probably on the same page. On this. <laughs> the first one is uh, during this scene with Apollo. We already know that there's a little bit of tense moments with Apollo and Polly from Rocky Three. Polly is outright racist in Rocky Three. Um, Polly is trying to break the tension of the moment where Apollo and Rocky and Adrian are not agreeing on Apollo taking this fight. And I, I don't even, I didn't even realize what Polly had in his hands, but he, it looks like he's got comic books of some sort. And I think this is what he said. Uh, Cause I, I was hoping that you would actually be able to make a little bit of sense of this for me. He says something to the effect of you ever try these comics keeps your fertility. Is he looking at like, porn comics like what is what is he looking at i wasn't sure on that one either it threw me a little bit but you kind of had the best my best guess you're so weird and just out of left field um and so uh another my other one of my other favorite ones is uh during the pre-fight press conference apollo says I've retired more men than Social Security. And then he starts laughing. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's great. Um, obviously, we, we have to put it in here. Throw the damn towel. It's become the most memeable gif of all of the Rocky films when it just comes to, you know, one photo or one gif of, of, of uh, Duke saying throw the damn towel. Um I mean, you see it if you if you watch boxing, like big time boxing, you'll see it on Twitter, you know, all the time. Even UFC fights in a one sided affair, people just start tweeting that like crazy. Um, obviously, Drago just beats Apollo. There was ruthless intent, and he just goes, "If he dies, he dies." And you know that that has stuck with this franchise forever. Like it will always be be there. That just that small. Uh, that's that small sentence with the pause in the deathly stare. Like it's just, it's just iconic. Um, so Rocky is, is having this discussion with Adrian. I already said it's my least favorite scene in the film, but he does have this uh, conversation with her in a way that he is telling her kind of what you were saying earlier about what makes him different and what, why he's a boxer and, and how that he, he, he has to be that same person and basically he's telling her, he's like, you know, if I, if I, if I can't win, maybe I can't win. And he said, but that guy across, he's going to have to kill me. And in order to kill me, he's going to have to have the heart to stand in front of me. And to do that, he's got to be, I forgot exactly what he said. He's got to be willing to die himself or something like that. So, you know, you're, you're, you're starting to get to the Rocky who actually he becomes in Rocky five and six, which is more of this like philosopher guy, more of like this guy who's really thought about life and what life means. And, uh, and that, that line, he's got to be willing to, to, to die himself. It, it's, it's always, it's, I thought it's always been a, an underrated moment. Now, the reason why it is, is because that scene sucks, like for the reasons that I said, but I always liked that, that part of that scene. Uh, Pauly, more silly stuff. He says, uh, he, he, he pre-programs the robot to have a feminine voice 
and to basically be his maid. And uh, there's a little bit of uh, odd tension between the two of them. And Polly goes, I'm going to have her wires tied when I get back. Kind of disgusting. Like, just like out of left field line, creepy Polly. Uh, I don't, I didn't, I don't even really remember that line. Like the first, when I was a kid, obviously, but it, it, the last few times I've watched this, I go, wow, that's such a, like a, like a dirty, hoardy, crazy, creepy line for, for this movie. Um, okay. So, um, <laughs> more Polly, uh, when they, uh, get to the training camp, which is their smack dab in the snow, Polly can't even walk in the snow. He goes, you're planning to grow reindeer or something? Just like this that one like, cracked me up. <laughs> like I just one grow reindeer, but just out of left field, Polly being Polly. Um, uh, I also liked it when when he tells Rocky, "You're all heart." But then, like right before the fight, he tells Rocky at the same time, uh, "Remember all the things I said. Forget it." Like I don't know if he said forget it because he didn't mean it anymore or he didn't want rock to have those soft thoughts before he had to go out for war. Do you, what, what was your take on that stuff? My thought on that was it's cause he saw like Paulie, uh, as we know, was a coward and like, uh, he saw Drago across the ring and he was like, you know, you're saying, Oh, you know, I'd like to be you rock. And then he sees Drago. He's like, Oh no! Forget it. Oh, okay, yeah, that 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 makes sense. Uh, that, that yeah, makes sense. I, I I like that one as well. Um, obviously, in the uh, at the stare down at the at the face off uh, right before the fight, uh, he says, "I must break you," and he bangs his gloves on top of Rocky's gloves, and it is actually. In the trailer to this movie, it is the final scene from the trailer that they use so effectively to sell this movie. Um, when Rocky finally punches uh, Drago and he cuts him, Duke is yelling at him, "He's not a machine. He's a man." And we'll, we're we're going to talk we're, we're going to talk more about Duke uh, as we get to the end of the show because I think I think he's absolutely fantastic in this movie. Uh, another Duke uh, in in the fifteenth round, he tells Rocky, you know, basically, here's what you need to do. You know, the, we we always we watch fights and and we say, okay, what's the strategy from the corner? Duke's like, mm, there's not really any strategy here. It's basically going to take all your strength, all your power, all your love, and everything you've got, and you've got like three minutes to do it. But he screams it at Rocky in such an inspiring way. Uh, and so this is uh, my favorite. Um, my favorite Drago moment in the whole fight is like you said, when, when the handler comes over and basically says he's being, um, you know, he's embarrassing everybody by not, by not having knocked Rocky out anymore. And then he uses his glove to pick this guy up and he goes, Yasibia. I've used Yasibia so many times in my life. Like just love just the way that he screams it, the way that he looks at the crowd, the way that he delivers it. Just love that. Love that line. And obviously, you can't leave this movie without the, if I can change and you can change. Everybody can change. I came here tonight. I didn't know what to expect. I seen a lot of people hating me and I didn't know what to feel about that. So... I guess I didn't like you much, none either. 
Я думаю, что я не любил их тоже. During this fight, I've seen a lot of changing. В течение всего этого боя я понял, что многое изменилось. И я почувствовал, что вы тоже изменились. Я думаю, что это лучше, чем даже 20 миллионов долларов. Trying to say is that if I can change, я думаю, что каждый тоже изменился. And you can change. Вы можете измениться. Everybody can change. Каждый может измениться. What were ones that you liked that I didn't have? You got a ton of them in there, but there's a couple. Um, one of them is that conversation we're talking about, where Rocky and Apollo are, dis- are discussing Apollo stepping in to take the fight with Drago and Rocky says maybe the show is over for us and what Apollo says is that's easy for you to say you're still on top yep. what about when you're not on top and I just think that really captures something that we've talked about is one of the main concepts throughout this whole series is of just not being able to let let go yeah, absolutely. And and it's not even it's not even about the the fame aspect. Like large portion of Rocky Balboa and Creed is about the Rocky character not being able to let go the people who left him a little early or the people his son who, you know, decided that it was a little hard living in his shadow. And and he you know he hung on to so many things and and that that's that that's a good one. Um, and another one I like because it's just the co- typical uh, c- cocky Apollo uh, being Apollo is like you know at the press conference uh, they ask him why he would take on you know this dangerous uh, Olympic gold medalist and he says. Uh, a sense of responsibility. Uh, I have a responsibility to te- teach this young fella how to box. <laughs> that, I mean, that's Ali, right? Like, that's yeah. right down the Ali path. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, the, 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 the quote from Duke to Rocky, uh, uh, you'll have to go to hell worse than any nightmare you've ever dreamed, but in the end, I know you, you'll be the last man standing. Yeah, fantastic. Um, one of Paulie's ones, like just after what, 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 like just after a couple of minutes after what the what you mentioned about him uh, saying forget it, um, he says like after Rocky cuts Drago in the second round and he's like he's getting into the fight a little bit, he comes back to the corner and 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 Paulie says, uh, yeah, you're doing good, Rocky. I couldn't do any better myself. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, okay, so... And I have one last oh, one, one, which is... Um, uh, it's actually the Angelo Dundee line. Uh, it's, uh, I see three of them out there, and Polly says, hit the one in the middle, and Duke just looks at him and says, right, hit the one in the middle. <laughs> what, I, what I like that is that it's like... Um, 
Like you have the boxing sage in 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 Duke in the corner, and Paulie's just kind of more the flim flam man, and he just comes up with this wacky concept, and then Duke's kind of looking at him, and it's like, you know what, that actually makes sense. Go with that. Yeah, no. And there's absolutely. one there's one other quote that I just wanted. To yeah, Polly Paul, about... essentially becomes like Bundini Brown in this movie. <laughs> uh, the one other question I wanted to ask you is like, and it's about a quote, so I think it fits in here. When they meet in the ring for the the final round, Drago says, "To the end." What do you think that was meaning? What what was the purpose of that line? I have always taken that to mean that he clearly thought he was going to knock this dude out in like a couple of rounds. And the fact that Rocky is still standing in round 15 is, uh, it was that like he gained Drago's respect in a major way. And then it became sort of like, well, you know, because you know they, they've clearly said Drago's an amateur, right? Like he he doesn't have he didn't he wasn't a professional. He hasn't had that many fights. Like that's the early part of this movie, and in a sense for Drago, it is good on his resume to be able to go to fifteen rounds with this like American hero. Like he, originally he thought he was going to blow by him, and he learned very quickly that 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 was not going to happen. And then it became like a respect thing right at the end. Okay, yeah, no, that's just one. I just, I'm never really sure what what was meant for that. I always thought it was an interesting choice of words. Okay, so let's talk about this soundtrack. Uh, no Bill Conti. Uh, Vince DiCola scores it. A little bit of information on DiCola himself. So he worked with uh, Frank Stallone on the Staying Alive soundtrack in 1983. He wrote for the Transformers movie in 1986. And how's this for keeping it about the uh, the fight game here? So Frank Stallone's song from Staying Alive is called Far From Over. It also became the theme of Starcade in in the mid-'80s. Just the the instrumental part portion of that became like the the Starcade song, and Decola co-wrote "Far From Over" with Frank Stallone, and uh, I that's kind of like I, I think that's the first real credit that he has before uh, before the obviously uh, th- this is what he's probably most famous for, and in more Decola information. He's also supposedly one of the background singers on Take You Back from is it's the the first and second film, I guess. Yeah, it's in both, yeah. So that's how uh, Vince DiCola is, is a part of this film. So um we mentioned this earlier. Conti scores Karate Kid 2. And one of Conti's uh I, I guess as a creator, the creator that he is, he was saying how it was frustrating to have to continually rework the same songs over and over and over in Rocky and to make them slightly different, but they had to be familiar because when you're doing a, a film like this, the audience is like waiting and they're like just waiting for these familiar sounds. And so he was always fighting with Stallone about that. And um, 
he said similarly about Karate Kid too. He's like, yeah, I don't even know. Like, I, 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 they just all blend together because I'm just mi- doing the same stuff for every film. So he scores Karate Kid two, and like like you said, uh, that there there's a comment that maybe he took that job over the Rocky four job. But in the interview that I read, he said that they did not even ask him to work on Rocky Four. And what I was wondering is if it was because of the fact that uh, in Rocky Three he was kind of fighting with Stallone a little bit to uh, to to do some new stuff, and Stallone's like, no, like this is for this moment, like this is where this works. And Conti said he didn't even realize that Stallone was right until he watched the films with the crowd because the crowd would react immediately to, to some of the some of those moments and he said he was the last person to understand that Stallone was correct I think yeah and, and Stallone was right you know I think I think he just had such an, an innate sense for what worked for this movie another example is that is them um, is no easy way out. I think, like, you know, he picked that song pretty much out of obscurity. Uh, to you, like, R- Robert Tepper hadn't really done anything at that point. And, you know, he picked it as a song that would work for this film and it became a smash. And this soundtrack was actually, like, even without, like, I would have liked to have those classic sounds. That's one of my one of my gripes as we'll talk to it that we don't have to feel Conti in this. But even without it, this is like has some big, big songs on it. And I know you'll agree with me on this, um, because it's one that we both have in our we both have in our record collection. Yeah. Um, but like there is some so many big, big iconic numbers in this that have been used down through the years again and again and again in di- different films like Burning Heart, um, Hearts of Fire, No Easy Way Out, Living in America. Uh, you even have like Eye of the Tiger in there again, which I don't know if you know you, you can you can quite credit because I see that as a Rocky Three film uh, uh, song that they kind of grandfathered in by using it in the yeah montage exactly. But there is a there is a ton of great songs. I think I just think you know it does miss something like not having you know going the distance are gonna fly now in, in it. I, I I think anyway. So there are um, oh one other thing, and I, I don't know how this is true because I've only read it in one place, and a lot of times when you read. The these uh, internet rumor kind of things like they're you know they're not sourcing this information. So I say that before this as I don't know if this is true or not. But the end song in Karate Kid Two is "Glory of Love" by Peter Cetera, and I read somewhere that Peter Cetera had originally written that song for the end of Rocky Four. And that Sly turned him down. So then that goes to Karate Kid 2, which is the year after Rocky 4. I don't know. That, that's, I, that, I'm not sure if that's true. I did read it somewhere, though. Okay, so the soundtrack has four singles, that chart, on the Billboard uh, Hot 100. Burning Heart by Survivor, which is the first single. Living in America is the second single. Hearts on Fire, the third single, and then No Easy Way Out is the fourth single. The album itself, which I have a vinyl copy of, was I think it was my second ever uh, vinyl of my own. Uh, the this and the original wrestling album are the are the two vinyls that I had uh, when I was a little kid. I bought it much much 
later, I got it within, I say, in the last 10 years, I saw it in uh, a, a, a second-hand records store um, when I was out walking one day. And, you know, I think I was going somewhere that, that, that afterwards that day. I didn't want to carry a record around with me. But, like, you know, for the whole next week, I was just thinking, I'm going back to buy that. And, you know, the next weekend, I went straight back, straight back <laughs> and got it. It's like in an original 1985 pressing, and it still sounds perfect. I love it so much. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, and so then, um, so, yeah, very, very successful. But, like you, you know, like you said, uh, uh, kind of different from what they had done in the previous three films. Now, do you think this film is better or how different with a Bill Conti score than with this Decola score? That's really hard to say because I actually, like there's two pieces of Decola music in this. Uh, War, uh, which is, which is the one that's used during the fight and training montage, which is funnily enough used in the training montage, which I think are both brilliant pieces of music. I just think it could be extended a little bit with like having that familiarity of, you know, gonna fly now or going to distance. You know, I just like those songs just pop the audience so much when they come on. Like we've seen it in the film since. Um, that I think you know, I, like if there is, if one of my main gripes of this film, despite actually loving the soundtrack, is that like their absence. Yeah, no, it's 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 glaring. Um, though I think is it in is it in war where there's like a little bit yeah, of they use a little, at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they use a little bit of a sample from it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, interestingly, in the teaser trailer, which we will get to in a second, they use the Conti music to tease this movie. So uh, I don't know if there was like a change. Like, I can't imagine like it was a last minute change of uh, of any way. But, you know, because when you do when you put out a teaser trailer, the movie's got to be close to finish. So I don't know why they use the Conti music instead. But uh, but they did. Uh, OK, so there are. Um, so many training montages, like we said. I think are... there, I think I think there's like five montages in this film. <laughs> it, 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 there's there's the first montage, which is the, uh, the, the 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 recap of the last film. Yes, I suppose. Well, there's the living in America, which isn't really a montage, but it's it's a music, it's a music video. video. Yeah. Um, th- th- there is the no easy way out montage. There, there is. is the, and I actually got these in the wrong order. It's actually when Rocky lands in Russia, that is the Burning Heart right. montage. Right. The, and then it's the double montage is the F- Vincent Decola song and Hearts on Fire is the double training montage. Right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, do, do you, it's, it's not, it's also not the classic, uh, I consider the the training montage that I consider to be classic Rocky is Rocky Two. I think that is the one that is most memorable from the perspective of um, this kind of it, he created something in this film that becomes iconic, and I think people would point back to the Rocky Two one. This one is way different. It uses different music, like we said. 
and the training is different and the 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 character is so different so there's a different meaning to this one and he's really you know he he's grinding it out while at the same time showing us how ripped and in crazy shape he is uh i don't i i love them i love them all the same but if i if i would say um what style i like best i would probably harken back to rocky 2 this is that's interesting because my, my actually this is actually my favorite like i was gonna say at the start this is like of all the montages this is my favorite um the, the training in the snow and you know all those exercises he's doing like he's kind of using using like um a chariot with uh Paulie and Adrian and Duke sitting in it to do shoulder press uh, like those crazy upside down sit-ups and everything and just the contrast of it with, with Drago using like all this high-tech machinery and everything and Rocky's such the back to basic style and I feel like I kind of feel like watching this that like you know what we're watching is a number of advertisements for a fight almost and part of me thinks like this like these rocky rocky montages must have in some way inspired a lot of what we see in countdown specials in for for boxing nowadays with the music videos and stuff like that i would have to think like some of the inspiration comes from these i i would think so you know this it goes back to what we talked about where you know we are the, this movie comes in right smack dab in the middle of this new evolution of sharing content through videotapes and through pay paid television and you know that that the people who are creating that stuff now uh or even 10 years ago were probably like big as big of a fans of the stuff as we are okay so um there are two fights so obviously apollo and and drago it is it is uh, very short. It is very close and similar to the first Rocky and Clubber fight, which is a two round fight as well. What did you think of the Rocky Drago fight, and where does it rank in your, you know, in your top list of Rocky fights? I like it. It's not my favorite, but. Uh... It is a really brutal fight, um, and I think one of the things I like most about it is, like, one of my favorite things in boxing is, like, in actual boxing is when a guy's behind and he wins with a knockout in the last round. So I thought it was cool that they played into that. Like, there's talk about how physical this was, that, like, the guys, uh, Carl Weathers and Dolph and... Sly all like you know put themselves to absolute torture to get into shape for this one because it was just so 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 grueling and you know there was talk a lot of like from from Stallone that like a lot of the early rounds are like the early fight footage is just actual sparring there um you know him and Lundgren are just hitting each other and that's what you're seeing on camera and you know it said, and I don't know if this is dramatized, that like Sly ended up in intensive care for out of like one of these boxing sessions for eight days or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like his blood pressure went through the roof or something like that. Yeah, so yeah, so it, it is a super, just a super physical, brutal fight, and uh, yeah, I, I do, I, I do like it. And another thing I like about it is um, 
just like it, it's telling a different story of, of just uh, you know this, like because we thought they were going to get uh, get this story in the last fight of Rocky having to last the guy with Mr. T and then it was actually the opposite. Rocky had to finish him early. Did we get that story here? And like, you know, he's got, he's got to chop down the tree. And, you know, we talked about Duke's role as a mentor. And, you know, Duke is throughout this fight, is kind of shouting at Rocky to go to the body, go to the body. And when he finally does, that's when he gets the breakthrough on Drago. And, you know, he, he, he crumbles them a little bit in that final round. And then he finishes them, finishes them off with, with some big shots. So, yeah, I, 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 I just liked how it played out as a fight. Um, you know, in terms of the, action itself it's probably not technically one of one of my favorites yeah yeah it's, this is not a lot of uh <clears throat> it does it's it's maybe the the rocky fight that least resembles what uh what a boxing match looks like um though you know that's not to say that rocky one and rocky two weren't a little over the top at the same time but this one is like a boxing match on steroids uh I guess uh, figuratively and literally, uh, but it is um, it is kind of what you know the '80s was about. You know, superheroes and um, you know the the stars and star power. And so you know, if you put a very technical uh, looking fight in, in the ring uh, in in this, it probably doesn't fit what what the time frame is. So I'm fine with it. It's just watching it back with uh, with current eyes, you're you're seeing like just uh, over the top, uh, which becomes a, a Stallone film uh, title, of a Stallone film. But just you know, it, it is it is a little way a little bit more unrealistic than some of the other stuff that that they do in these films. Okay. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about on any of the fights or the montages or uh, or the music? Uh, no. Are we going to move on to the, the gripes? So we'll get to gripes in a second, but I do have... I, I like saving pet peeves for the end because I like being like positive, positive, positive. And then we'll slide in some negative things at the end. But uh, quickly go through some facts. There's not a lot of them. Um, because a lot of the facts were, were, were about the music, and we already went through those. Um, do you know the man who plays uh, the character's name of the man who is the handler for Drago and like the person who, along with Ludmilla, kind of controls his career? Do you know his character's name? I can't remember it. Nikolai? Oh, yes, I do remember it. Polkov. No, Kolov, it's not Kolov. Kolov. Nikolai Kolov. They, he took... Two wrestler, <laughs> two Russian wrestlers, and put their name together for this character. Uh, Sly, good job, Sly. Uh, okay, so we, uh, we were talking about the robot earlier. Seiko the robot was meant to help communicate with autistic children, and Sly saw it on a TV show somewhere, and then sort of figure out uh, how he could get one because we we've talked about this. He, he one of his children uh, is autistic. Sergio was was born with uh, autism, and I'm not sure if it's severe or how severe it is. But you know, he, there's no information really about Sergio out there. And um, so, you know, supposedly Sly was trying to find one of these robots to help his son, and loved the thing so much he decided to write it into the film. It is the one thing in this movie that kind of stands out, uh, like at you know, as a, as a sore thumb, but 
that's kind of the genesis of, of the robot. Yeah, I did. I did. I did hear that. It's you know, it's an in, interesting story. And look, it's one of those things that like I look at all Rockies as kind of they're very much of their time, and you know, you have to watch them with those eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you already mentioned this. Uh, Drago puts Sly in the hospital. You know, and and plus he's 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 got a legitimate background too. So if Sly's like, we want to make this look as close to real as possible, so you know. You, put, you know lay it in there and you're telling this dude to lay it in there and he's like a legit he's got a legit striking background i could definitely see how poor rocky you know in his mid mid 30s at this point is uh, is getting hurt and and creed too right like like uh carl weathers i think carl weathers might be a year or two older than stallone i'm not exactly sure but you know he, he i mean talk about it. someone who looks great in this movie carl weathers looks fantastic for however old he is but they're also older. They're not like in their mid twenties or in their late twenties. So taking a lot of this stuff for a real, I imagine, is, is not a, not not great on their overall health. Yeah, and I did hear that Carl got quite upset at one point that Lundgren was just being a little bit too rough, and he was getting hurt in there. Did you hear that? And it's like Sly had to kind of. Yes. Um, make, make a peace offering between them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, uh, you know. There's rumors and information out there that says they had to kind of close down the shooting for a little bit because Carl kind of walked off and like wanted to quit. Um, I saw a uh, it was a Comic Con or one of those things where Carl and uh, Dolph were together and they did questions together. Obviously, there was a lot of Rocky Four stuff. Carl comes off in general a little bit like bigger and better than everything when he's on, when I've seen him interviewed in the past and this was no different. Uh, and Dolph was really laid back and I could sense that there wasn't terrific chemistry between the two men, even, you know, whatever it was 30 years later or whatever. Uh, so if Carl did not like him, I could see that based on this interview that was, you know, 30 some odd years later, uh, he was not a dick to him in any way, but he was just, you know, he was just being Carl. If you've seen Carl interviewed, like, you know, Carl even tells the story of how he got the job to be Apollo. He's like, yeah, you know, the, the, the casting director was looking for something different. So I tried to sell him something different. And at the same time was basically saying, see, I can't, I couldn't get this line because you have an amateur across from me. And that amateur was actually Stallone. And so he, like, he's always sort of been like that, you know? So uh, that's part of why I really like him uh, as a character. Yeah. Like, I don't think, like, you don't think there's any real uh, lasting, uh, D dislike over it because like I, you know I, I've heard Carl speak about Rocky Four a few times since and kind of his his feedback on it has always been very positive like he always talks about like oh what a great time they had in Vegas and you know with James Brown and all this type of stuff like he never really brings up that negative stuff so I'm thinking like maybe it was something that happened in the heat of the moment you know he, he was you know everybody's working out really really hard taken a little bit more of a beating than he needs to and like he's got this young guy just pounding on him and he's like not best pleased about it and, but, and like, look it could have been sly basically saying like okay you know uh carl may not like this but you have to lay this in a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, stallone may be of the same mentality as uh 
as uh, Michael Jordan. Like, I'm not going to ask you to do anything I wasn't going to do. So sorry, Carl, you're going to have to take this beating. <laughs> uh, Tony Burton, who plays Duke or Tony, as uh, Rocky calls him in Rocky Four and Rocky Five, uh, supposedly a really accomplished chess player. And there's a scene that we didn't really talk about where he is oh, yeah. playing chess against um, one. I, I think it was one of the people who were following them around constantly or following Rocky around when he was doing the training. Uh, basically, the job was to watch them. And uh, he he quickly beats this uh, this guy at chess. And I sort of saw that, that scene as uh, a little bit of um, a little bit of a precursor to what is going to happen in the end where, you know, they, they're, they're going to have to play a little bit of chess with Drago and take away the, uh, you know, take away that, that machine from him by just, uh, by just trying to break through. So I thought that was kind of interesting. They don't, it's not a, it's not a really big scene. It's not an important scene, but it is a little bit of foreshadowing to how they will uh, take down Drago at the end. Uh, and so, um, like we said, Brigitte and Sly were married for about a year and a half. Um, the training scenes were filmed in Wyoming and the big fight is filmed in Vancouver. So all that snow you can thank Wyoming for. Um, I, I talked about the cut scene where Rocky goes to the commission and they basically tell him we can't sanction a fight for the championship against an amateur and you can't take the belt to to Russia. There is a like a two second version of that scene in the trailer uh, on the film does not show up in the actual film, though, it is cut. And, and the reason they cut it supposedly is because um, I guess there was a little bit of du uh, duplication uh, with the press conference where Rocky describes why the championship is not like a piece of this. And so they're like, ah, it's kind of, it's, we, we don't need to explain this, this twice. Uh, Stallone trained by professional, uh, bodybuilder Franco Colombo to put on weight in, in this film, put on muscle size too. And, and, and like, he looks, he looks amazing i don't know how old what is he he's in his mid-30s or something but he just looks like like he doesn't his body does not actually look like it's connected to his head it just looks like it's like uh, a, a bodysuit or something he looks and i so think it's partic particularly noticeable just because he had been so leaned up in the last film as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just like he's put on all that extra bulk he looks huge yeah uh so i mentioned the teaser trailer in this teaser trailer Dolph Lundgren introduces the Ivan Drago character. He just calls himself Drago. He says that he's going to fight uh, Rocky Balboa. And there is some, as he's speaking, there's a little bit of Rocky hitting the speed bag, a little bit of Rocky lacing up his, his boots. And then there's a scene of them circling each other, sort of like uh, Rocky and Apollo from the end of Rocky Three. And they come, you know, the Rocky throws his left, Drago throws his right, and then they're the the American boxing glove and the Russian boxing glove connect and they explode. And this is this teaser trailer. My theory about why Drago's character is the way it is is because Dolph Lundgren's Russian accent is so bad in this teaser trailer that I can't imagine 
they thought that it would be a good idea to give him any sort of dialogue outside of the the one or two liners that that he does get, which are like you mentioned, are, are very powerful, and that's it, it's good. Like it's a good job of of filmmaking, but just based on this teaser trailer, I wonder if Sly was like, okay. We have some dialogue for this strength. guy. Yeah, but he is so bad at it that we're going to remove all of it. And, you know, there, the the Brigitte has a couple of lines as well. And her accent is really bad, too. But it's but it, it's sort of short. And so you kind of move on with it. But to have the ultimate bad guy kind of be a, a joke with the accent, I do wonder if that's part of the reason why his character just didn't speak. Okay, <clears throat> so a couple more things before we get to the questions that I have for you. Um, there is, uh, there, Stallone was quoted after this movie of saying that he thought of making another movie about I heard this. Drago's and the, his post career after this fight and would parallel it to Rocky Balboa's career after this fight. And I assume some of that would be. The Creed brain damage. Well, well, well. Also, but the brain damage that Rocky suffered that we saw in Rocky Five, and how hard that fight was on his body, and for Drago, just the political aspect of him shaming the country and him going into depression. I think Rocky. I think Stallone has even mentioned at some point that maybe he thought the the uh, the Drago character went into depression and became like an alcoholic, and so I wonder if they were he was going to think of those parallels, but. I'm assuming some of what we got was, like you said, what showed up in Creed 2, which... Yeah, uh, we, we, we've talked about it before, with just Sly hanging on to ideas. And, you know, if that was in his head back then, I feel like, you know, maybe that's how it, it did eventually come out in Creed 2. I do think that, it, that that's just a super interesting thing. And part of it was was just like this, uh, this and this is a cr- credit to Dolph, because... This, it was because this character was so successful and so popular. That's why he wanted to bring him back. He was thinking like, we had to, like this was a, a huge box office smash. We had to bring keep this guy alive in the film. Yeah, absolutely. I would I wouldn't mind a um, four part uh, four part TV series about old Rocky and old Drago like if he ever if he ever wanted to do that same idea as a as a TV show and maybe it is actually before Creed 2 they, they I think they could they could figure out how to do it like that that would be pretty interesting just to kind of tell f- to tell the the missing pieces from the Drago and young Drago uh storyline in Rock and Creed 2 you you could you could tell some of that story in like a four part like mini series or something um, so, uh, Drago is the only, uh, Balboa rival who does not actually beat Balboa inside the ring uh, of, of the main, of the main movie, uh, fighters, obviously, you know, the mean Joe, whatever his name was in Rocky three and all those guys, they didn't beat Rocky, but as uh, the the final boss, Spider Rico didn't get a win. <laughs> Spider Rico didn't get a win, but for the final bosses, Drago is the only one to not have uh, have beat Balboa before. I'd never thought of it, Daddy. Yeah, me neither. Until I was reading through stuff today. Uh, so quickly, uh, we'll look at the box office. We've talked about this in other in uh, in the other podcast, but 
Uh, Rocky Four does three hundred million worldwide, one hundred seventy-two million. Uh, no, I'm sorry, one hundred twenty-seven million in North America. So it barely beat out Rocky Three in North America, but clearly beat it worldwide. And that that may simply have to be with you know have to do with better international opportunities for business three years later. Um, and just to timeline this in terms of where Sloan's career was at. Um, he had also at this point launched Rambo, and it's it's real interesting timeline with that because 1982 Rocky three comes out early in the year, and then later that year Rambo one comes out. So it's just after uh, uh, Rocky three, and with this one Rambo two came out in '85, just before Rocky four. So he squeezed in two Rambo films. But in the, in the in that three year three year gap, just either side of the two Rocky films. Yeah, no, he is um, he has taken what he's learned from Rocky, and he is um, you know utilized it for a different series. Now, I think most people would still say that he is more Rocky than Rambo, but you know, it, it is a smart play for him to utilize the the strengths and and what he learned in, in the marketing uh of rocky to do that with with these other films as well like and they're not as successful at least i i haven't looked at rambo uh movie business in a while maybe i'll look look it up as we talk but um you know i think i think he is taking advantage of his uh you know of his celebrity and you know, making as as much uh, as much money as humanly possible in, in in these you know these movies. And you know what's interesting though is he would actually uh, try and change his reputation a little bit because he became the the Rocky and Rambo guy, and that was it. And you know later in his career, he would try and do other stuff. Like you would see him do uh, humor. Uh, you would see him do. Um, you know, just off the cuff films that 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 were not like what he was to try and you know bring a little bit more of a well roundedness to his uh, to his acting skills, but those didn't work. Rambo and, and Rocky, and then the Expendables he would use to to come back. But um, actually, Rambo in the U.S. First Blood Part Two does more money than any Rocky film. Kind of crazy. Wow, like that's four absolutely huge films in uh, in in that three year period. So so First Blood does forty seven million in the U S. off a fifteen million dollar budget. Does one hundred twenty five worldwide though. Rambo uh, First Blood Part Two d- on a twenty five million dollar budget does one hundred fifty million and three hundred million worldwide. So it touches Rocky Four uh, for for that. Rambo Three uh, does fifty three. Uh, the the Rambo that came out in 08 did 42, and the Rambo that came out in uh, 2019, which I heard was terrible, but I never saw it, uh, did uh, 44. So it was really just that that second First Blood movie that uh, that did great great business. Um, but you know that he he did five of those, and and they made you know they made a decent amount of money. He actually lost money on the last three on the last three Rambo's though, just on the U.S. box office. Yeah, they made those, they made it on the back end on the worldwide. But but the, but, but those first two, you know, that, that were, as we were saying, like you know, it's just a hot streak for Stallone in that period, in that 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 eighty eighties period. Yeah, and uh, you know, 
I'm I don't know how he feels about it and and I'm sure he's done interviews about it and stuff about his career now he, you know now he's in his god he's got to be like 70 years old or something by now um but you know I'm sure the money that he made for his family and you know he he was nominated uh for a academy award a couple times as best actor and best supporting actor um you know, not 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 a, not a bad thing. I think to to have these series attached to him. Okay, uh, so let's talk about quick questions that I have for you. <clears throat> Adrian says that Apollo has been retired for five years. We are to assume this is 1985. That would put his last fight at 1980. But as we know from Rocky II, his last fight would have been. November of 1977. So does he, does he fight between 77 and 80? We know that he's retired by 82 with Rocky three, or did they just get the timeline wrong? I think they probably just got the timeline wrong or maybe, maybe like there is something in it that maybe, you know, there was, there was another bout like this, what what the Drago bout was something kind of an exhibition in between there. Maybe, maybe he uh, he enjoys the he, he, maybe counts the the fight fight with Rocky. <laughs> Yo, okay, that that might that might be it. Oh, or uh, yeah, he and Joe Frazier uh, have like a have like a big fight as they're both at the end of their career. Um, okay, this is a this is a real question. You, you, you know, in in the Rocky universe, this is a real question. It's kind of silly to think about, but. The three-minute dance performance by Apollo, does it exhaust him to the point that when he realizes that the fight with Drago is real, he's just got nothing in the tank? And that is the part of the reason why he got killed so badly. It could have been that. You know, it could have also just been kind of the shock of going from like you you see it so many times in fights where a guy comes in not expecting to have a, a difficult night's work and when it becomes that way he just has no, nothing to go to, go to because he's just not in the mindset maybe that's what the case is with Apollo <laughs> okay um so Rocky we've mentioned Rocky's body a lot the 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 transition from the first Rocky to the second Rocky was a, pr- a pretty good transition but then to the third and the fourth film, like he's a different human being. We are to assume that he was taking his his medicine to look this way, uh, partially to look this way. Uh, some of the other stuff was just he was just a bodybuilding fanatic. He just loved it. But if the murmurs are there about him, why raise the steroid flag in this movie? Was it just a hot button topic at the time? Like you know, with athletics, particularly Russian athletics, was it? So, was so, so there's something to the. I believe it is. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what Olympics it was, but I always thought it was the the uh, Germans first, and then I think the Russian athletes did a similar thing where they they had all of their athletes on 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 the steroids as well. But it's not like. It was like there was investigative journalism pieces around saying, oh, you know, this is what people are doing. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure that it was sort of known, but, um, you know, it's not like 1985 was like this hot button issue for steroids. Like, really, 
I feel like that stuff didn't happen until the early '90s with uh, wrestling, and then the um, er, the the late '90s and early 2000s with baseball. I don't feel like that was a big deal in 1985, and so that's why I was just like, why would Stallone bring that attention? Because if you look at his body, you would assume that he was doing something other than just eating five eggs before going running. Okay, so. Um, there is one uh, part of this fight where they talk about his eye. You mentioned it in the quote. You know, I see three of them hit the one in the middle. They, th- that is actually a concern about his character. Historically, it's just the eye, right? He can't see. But the, um, the dialogue changes the attention to steroids. I mean, not, not steroids, to brain damage. There's a mention of brain damage in this movie. And I think this is where the narrative is going to go from the eye injury to brain damage. I think it's Apollo who like just in passing mentions brain damage to, to Stallone when Stallone was, was saying something goofy that he didn't agree with. He's something about, are you, are you sure you don't have brain damage or something? But um, why do you think the conversation, and then we talked about this a little bit in the last movie, but it does seem like there is a specific uh, that they're trying to move from the eye to the brain damage. Well, yeah, well, there was like there was talk in like at the start of Rocky too, you know, when he's talking to the press, like I think one of the press asked them something about is your brain damage. So they had kind of set that up as well, I suppose. And, and maybe, what did he say? I don't see any or something like that. Yeah. Some, some, <laughs> Uh, but like yeah so like I don't know if maybe it it just thought it was like you know maybe it's more dramatic you know in that there's a there's more of a risk to the fighter in that like you know as opposed to if his eye is injured that maybe it's more just like you know he might lose sight in that eye or something he's you know that's just a real uh, cr- critical ri- risk to ro- ro- Rocky continuing to, f- to fight on mm-hmm um, okay, so we know that Duke is Apollo's trainer. How does Rocky unseat him as number one in command for the for the exhibition with Drago? Is he number one in command? Well, he holds the towel when Apollo comes back to the to the corner. Rocky's the one who's talking to him, not Duke. Duke is actually outside the ring ropes. Uh, well, maybe it's just because it is an exhibition fight, and you know, it, it's it's an after dinner crowd who are there to see the stars, and you know, Rocky is presented to them in front of the crowd, and you know, maybe it is just like this is an act of a show, so we have Rocky as like you know a celebrity guest as uh, like like when you have a celebrity guest ring announcer or a celebrity guest bell ringer or something like that. Well, that is a it is a little bit of foreshadowing because in Rocky Five, that's what Rocky becomes, right? He trains Tommy Gunn, and so what I what I want, like I wish there was like a um, a thirty second scene where Duke is like telling him all the things, like he's like, okay, I know you want to, you you may want to do this when you retire, but here's what you need to do as the number one in command. I wish there was like a, just like a 20 second scene there. And then Rocky's like, okay, I got it. That would have been, that would have been cool. 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, this is this is the film where you don't get those uh, dots joined to get, together. Yeah, may, maybe it, it's, maybe it it's because of just the pace of this film. Maybe it's in the two and a half hour cut. We got to get Stallone to release the cut like they did the uh, the Zack Snyder stuff. Um, okay, so what did you... Th- this? I, I decided not to put this in the pet peeves because I wanted to ask you about this. What did you think of when... Rocky basically takes this fight for zero dollars. Okay, that was that, that. This is one that was go, going into pet peeves. Enough that he took it for zero dollars, but just more so that, like, just how did that circumstance come about? Like, I, I can get the idea that Rocky's taking it on honor, um, because of what happened with Apollo, um, but it's like they just kind of accept that. He's taking this fight in Russia. It's at Christmas. And, like, it's an, this unsanctioned fight. And you don't really get any explanation as to why it's any of those things. And, like, it's what it, it feels like it's almost just set up to be um, something something for, for, for to make, make Rocky's conversation with Adrian a little bit more difficult when he has to explain to him, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to fight this guy who just, you know, killed Apollo. I'm going to fight him in Russia on Christmas, Christmas for no money. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, there is and, and that's why I wonder if, like, that uh, scene that, that's caught that we spoke about where he meets the board, does that answer some of these questions? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Like, it's like that is my number one pet peeve. I just, why is why is Rocky going to, to Russia to fight this guy on Christmas? Yeah, and it's like, oh, that's what, it, that's, that's what we're doing. Maybe there, you know, I actually haven't seen, I don't know if I've seen any deleted scenes for this film. Maybe they're out there. It's possible they're out there. But yeah, like that, if, if it's just a small explanation, it makes sense. It doesn't make sense without it. Okay. Um, some people think that Brigitte Nielsen sort of becomes a star similar to Lundgren after this film. But in rewatching, I just am like, she has such a minor part and she doesn't really stand out in any way. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe just the legend of this movie is a little bit overblown because they become an item. But what did you That's think? I was going to say, is, is it this association with, with Sloane and them being a celebrity couple that kind of, and, you know, being in this huge film yeah, together? Well, what did you think of her performance? Um, I think she's fine for the role. It's like you know, it 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 is what it is. It's like it's not going to be an Academy Award winning performance, but you know, I think for what it is and for Rocky, it works well. I, I think I, I I thought she was so powerful in Creed too, probably just because of the surprise nature. But uh, here, uh, she's uh, she's just she's just kind of there, and she's did, did didn't do as much as I as as I thought she did, or maybe that I was just remembering it wrong. Okay, so uh, last question here for you from me is, did you miss Mick at all in this film? Because this is the first film we get where there's no Mick, though there is a, a, a shot of him in, in the, the No Easy Way Out montage, but his voice is not mentioned um, in the training. Like we said, it's about Duke. It's not about anything related to Mick. Uh, is is he missed at all in this film? I'm not exactly sure that he is. 
I don't think he is. And I think that's a testament to how well Duke steps into that role. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, was yeah, gonna... I, have a few qu- I have a few questions for you. Yeah, go for it. Okay, the first one is, on the basis of this film alone, right? And it's a fifth, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this question after Creed. Is Dr- Drago a sympathetic figure? In the end? Um... I think so because of the babyface turn when he does the Yasibiya. Like at that part, he he becomes human, and you know I think the he's not a machine, he's a man line is is very specific for that, knowing that that's coming later. And he is you you see him when he when he beats Apollo, you see him as a puppet for this very horrendous regime and by the end of the rocky fight you see him as a puppet for this very horrendous machine but someone who realizes that maybe what he's been trained to do is probably not for the right reasons and that um in the in the end I'm not saying that I was like, oh, Drago's a good guy or anything, but I was like, okay, like, you get it. Like, as the viewer, you get the role that he was in and that it wasn't really his choice. Um, Okay, another question on Drago. Did you think at any point prior to it being announced that this character was ever going to come back for something? Or did you think this this was closed book? The only could time... you have ever fit, fit fish into being like you know what's essentially like Creed Two is essentially a sequel a direct sequel to this movie. Yeah, the only time. See, it's funny because um, when Creed One came out, uh, I wasn't surprised, and the reason I wasn't surprised is because I had goofed around with writing a script for a this is even before Rocky Balboa came out for another film where Apollo's I forgot who I made it to be Apollo's nephew or Apollo's um cuz I I didn't think it would be his kids but someone related to to Apollo would basically come back for vengeance of uh of Apollo dying and create some static with Rocky. Like I actually thought that was a very easy storyline to do. I like the way that they did it better, which is Apollo's son comes to Rocky for help. Um and so I wasn't surprised with that, but when someone said, and this was early on in, in Creed 2, like just, I guess, may, maybe even the brainstorming post-Creed 1, someone had mentioned, you know, what if they do Apollo's son against Drago's son? And I was like, that makes all of the sense in the world for the next movie, and I hope that it happens. And then it did, and I was like, oh my God, like this is like the best thing. So... When when that movie was over, I had no thought that you could bring back the character. Um, but when someone had mentioned it, that that could be the Creed 2 storyline, I was like, why didn't I think of that? It's so easy to make, but just not, you know, not something that I thought about. Um, this one, just when you're talking about Apollo, because um, you're a little bit older than, than me and you kind of saw this movie at the time. 
did you expect watching this film that like the Apollo character was going to be killed off? Or was that a sh- shock when you first watched it? Because I cannot remember when I first saw, saw this and what I felt about that. I think I knew before I saw the movie that he was going to die. And so in knowing that information, <clears throat> the, uh, the scene was hard because I sort of knew that something bad was going to happen. And the, the music... Uh, the score, like the scariness to that music. I was like, I didn't want to watch this scene for like maybe the first five times I watched this movie. I would skip past it until the until the end part. Uh, but I didn't want to see like Apollo get knocked out. Like I would always look away from the TV or I would just fast forward it. Um, because I was, I, I thought that they, they played it up so scary, so scarily. And, um, but I didn't really, you know, it's not, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you if it was a surprise or not. Cause I remember hearing probably from like one of my cousins or something that, uh, that that was going to happen before I actually got to see it. And the last one is the question I asked you last time, which is, could have this been the end of the Rocky story? Do you think, you know, at this point, was there kind of an, like a feeling of like, okay, Rocky's pretty much sorted out all of the world's problems here where do you go with them next i think i think we thought it was over and because i'm trying to remember so in 1990 is when rocky five comes out and i remember um always having like this small hope in the back of my mind that they would come out with a fifth film and like i would joke with like whenever me and friends or me and family would go to the movie theaters uh, right before the trailers would play, I would just look over and go, Oh, I can't wait for that Rocky five trailer to show up. And like, just joking, like not even knowing that it was going to happen. And then one day I said that, and then Rocky five was showing in the trailer. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, what? How does this even happen? You know, I was, I, I pro it's possible that, um, cause I'm trying to think I was like 14 or something. And, you know, I was reading newspapers and stuff, but I wasn't reading like trade magazines for movies. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known, but yeah, I was always make that joke. And then it happened. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. And it, it, there was that little bit of a longer gap this time. You know, after you went over the, the three, three, four year mark, you were probably thinking, okay, it's done. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, like, it by by and, and plus, Stallone is uh, a different. He's he's a much bigger star, right? Like he's he's doing the Rambo stuff, and he's you know doing other other films. Um, trying to when, when does uh, what's Cliffhanger? Cliffhanger is probably nine. Actually, Cliffhanger is, uh, is after Rocky Five. But, yeah, I'd say so. But um, you know, he he he's doing other stuff. So I always wonder, eh, does he does what what's left of the story to tell? And uh, you know, Rocky Five is kind of a a natural story, except with there's no uh, the bad guy. I mean, the bad guy is is the is kind of the the problem with that film. And and uh, yeah, well, and and that's something that we'll talk about because I'm sure it's both of our least favorite films of this franchise. Um, okay, so before we get to MVP, let's quickly go through our pet peeves. Um, one of my pet peeves, not only for this film, but for the entire series of Rocky, is whenever the trainer of the bad guy 
screams or yells or slams his hand onto the mat, it is a, it's almost like we get an alert that, uh oh, the bad guy's going to make us come back right now. Like it happens in, um, it happens a lot actually in Rocky Three. Whoever his manager, I don't even know if his manager has a name in Rocky Three. I always thought he looked like a very old Michael Spinks. But whenever he starts to scream at Clubber, then boom, Clubber starts killing Rocky. And in this movie, uh, the Drago's uh, Drago's coach or his trainer uh, starts to screams at him in Russian in in the Apollo fight because, like I said, he's kind of playing it patient. And the second he does. Apollo has no chance because it's almost like Drago uh, takes the cue and just starts destroying him. You can go back to Rocky II as well, where Duke will do that with Apollo. And it's just like, a, I, I don't know why they do it. Like, it's a heads up that we know that they're listening You're to their corner. Yeah, but it's very telegraphed. And, um, you know, we didn't really need to know that, you know, like all you have to do is slap the mat and then your boxer listens to you and just takes your head off, takes the other guy's head off. But that, that's, that's something that I always disliked about every fight in, in, in this series. So, uh, the second thing that I think is a, is a pet peeve is Polly is complaining about not being able to, uh, have TV in this cabin as they're training. And he complains about not being able to see the Rose bowl. The Rose Bowl is not until January 1st, so they would be home and they wouldn't be in uh, training in Russia for to see the Rose Bowl. Um, I'll, uh, I've mentioned this before. Any knockdowns that aren't counted when gloves touch is always a thing. Um, the other one was when Rocky goes down and he just gets right back up and they start fighting and they don't count the knockdown and they don't do a standing eight. Um, another one is... We know he's the champion in this fight, but he still walks first. Now, is this like simply because the fight's in Russia and because the the fight is not for the title, so he can walk first? But shouldn't he have been walking second because he still is the champion? What do you think about that one? I feel like, you know, this is kind of seems like that Leonard Hagler fight where like you know you know Ray Ray's team were saying like we, we could have picked the, the the color of Marvin's trunks like <laughs> Rocky gives away absolutely absolutely everything in this one yeah he totally does he's like ah who who cares I don't I don't care if I'm the a-side um okay now this is the big one and we kind of mentioned this already which is Rocky is about to fight a guy who, and the tallest guy he's fought so far, as far as we know, is Apollo, who's probably about 6'2". 6'2 six, 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 seems to be good, and Rocky looks to be about 5'10". Drago's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and Rocky basically says that he doesn't need to spar. He's like, uh, we're going to do other stuff. I don't need the sparring. If you're going to fight a guy who is, you know, seven or, or or eight inches taller than you, the thing that you need most is to bring in guys of that size so you can figure out the distance. And Rocky's just like, nope, not necessary. Don't need it. That one really bothered me. Yeah, this is one that like I don't didn't like either. And I kind of see why they do it because it feeds into the isolation story because if you had your sparring partners out there, you couldn't really have the story of Rocky being out in the wilderness on his own with like just Duke and Paulie, you know, all alone in Russia. Uh, 
and without that like I think it it, it kind of hurts the story a little bit but at the same time like from you know a, a, a boxing point of view you feel like he, he like he would the first thing he would have wanted was the to, to, to fight against a tall guy with a jab <laughs> yeah, totally and, and then just the last thing I mentioned this already Rocky goes down like 10 times in this fight Drago doesn't go down once but the the one time that he goes down he can't get up <laughs> like he's just like the Rocky's the 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 little guy who the little train who could and the big bad monster goes down one time and he absolutely just cannot get up cuz all he has to do is get up and he wins the fight nope cannot cannot get up cannot. I suppose he, you know he's not used to the longer rounds he's only ever been an amateur he's probably only fought like three three round fights exactly and and with headgear so uh but but that's it what what were some of uh, your pet peeves Okay, yeah, like, the biggest one for me is that thing we mentioned about it. It's just, like, where it's never really explained why this is at Christmas in, in, in Russia and why it's an unsanctioned fight. Um, like, I feel like it would have went a long way if they had, like, a scene in to explain that. Um, and, like, the, the, the second one is the thing about, you know, just the knockdowns are being held up by the ropes. And in... In the fight in Russia, I can kind of see past it because you're kind of made to believe that this is a fight set up for Drago to win. So you can understand the idea that, you know, the officials are being lenient um, because, like, they want the home guy to, to win and they're giving, him the, the, the giving him the advantages and they're, they're not punishing him for infractions at rule. I cannot see past, like how they let this away in the exhibition fight. Like, Apollo ne- like is getting beaten around the ring. It gets hit many times after the bell. It's kept up by the ropes numerous times, and he never gets, like, you know, a standing counter. You know, nobody comes in and, like, tries to call uh, a halt to this insanity. It just, it doesn't, like, that one I find difficult to take. Yeah, that that is... Um... I don't know what they're trying to tell us that Rocky cares way more about avenging the death and not about anything else. Like, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a hard one to swallow though. I, I don't, they follow the same thing with the, uh, Rocky Balboa fight. I don't remember what the purse is for that one. I cannot remember. Like where he just doesn't, he just doesn't care. He just wants to get in the ring. Like he doesn't care about the purse or the date or whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah. My third one is uh, just the decision not to use. Um, gonna find out anywhere or going distance. And there's so much mm-hmm. music in this that it's hard to know where to squish it, squish it in. But I feel like. I feel like the fight montage maybe should have had one of those songs used in it. Yeah, maybe the last one after he he sees Adrian and he's climbing up the mountain. But I don't know, that works. So no, I mean, I no, I mean the actual fight. It's it, it's it's itself like the fight recap with Drago. Oh, like in the middle when they're skipping rounds or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that would make sense. Um, and. The last one, and it, like this is kind of a small thing that kind of got on my nerves a little bit. It's like I was talking about, you know, earlier about how Rocky had to come to terms with 
fighting away away from home and you know having the hostile crowd against them the commentators repeatedly tell you that this is not a factor the rockies are totally focused and he looks like he doesn't care at all like it makes this such a better story if rocky yeah. is bothered by it and it's like rocky's acting like he's bothered by it so i i just can't get my head around that one either yeah, that's an interesting one. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right on that. It would have uh, maybe maybe they didn't the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing or something. Um, okay, so now let's get to the MVP. I'll just go. I'll just get right to it. My favorite character in this whole movie, who to me drives the story, is Duke. Agreed. Yeah, he's so darn good and. You know he's gonna have. Uh, he's he. We've already mentioned in Rocky Two how I thought he was really good in in protecting Apollo and um, in Rocky and uh, in, in Rocky Five he's only in there in the beginning, but in Rocky Balboa he's also pretty good because he's like having these realistic conversations with old man Balboa trying to get back in the ring again. But this is his movie, and I wonder. Um, you know, so, some of the positives in uh, the, the way that they tell these stories where there's tragedy involved and with Mickey passing, it allows Apollo to slip in to that role. And I think you thought that, you know, that was the best Apollo performance because of that, because he was filling the void of Mickey. And now with Mickey and Apollo being gone, Duke slides in and fills the void of both of them, and he does such a tremendous job as the soft-spoken, at times, um, trainer who has some philosophy and is very smart. And then at other times, when you need the kick in the butt, he's screaming in your face and he's spitting and it's spits flying. And when uh, you know when he's he's there to break up the fights when you know when the other corner is not pulling their boxer off and he does this thing that I always love, which is he has this sponge that's soaked in water. And then he th- he doesn't throw the sponge, but he like throws it and but he holds on to it so the water just flies like i always love that part so yeah to me it's to me he's the mvp of this movie yeah i i I, that was who i thought as well and i think he's kind of the secret weapon of this whole series like i feel like every time we've talked about one of these films we've talked about some really impactful pieces that duke has had in them and then you know in this one he gets more of a chance to shine by moving into that mentor role and like i'm glad that he got that opportunity because you know he he's one of my he becomes one of my favorite characters because of that throughout, throughout the series he's one of the people i really i really like about like the whole uh the, the whole, whole rocky legacy um and, you know, if there's somebody who, to me, is a, the runner-up in this, it's Drago in that, like, you know, he took this character with just a few lines, as you said, and made it into this, like, big, iconic character, hugely successful. And we talked about that, like, you know, it was so popular that, you know, Stallone was thinking about writing a sequel based around him and ultimately he did many many it took him many many years to come back to it so for me like the the a is uh is duke and like a1 is drago i i could definitely live with that uh you know people maybe think oh you know shouldn't stallone be the or rocky be the mvp of every movie 
uh, you know, to some extent, like he is valuable, uh, more valuable than, than everybody because stories about him, but it really, uh, I, I think maybe the best part, uh, or one of the best parts of this series is the ability for Stallone to allow other characters to get over and to become iconic. Like you said, like he's, he's, he becomes the person who's writing all, all of these movies, uh, uh, right? So he, he's writing the dialogue, he's writing the character, he's creating the thing. Like, um, like Barry Tompkins said, he's, he's doing the Vince McMahon thing, like more, give me more, like at the same time. So this is like his baby. And in his own genius, he creates characters that are iconic, and he's not the only character who gets over in these films. And I think that's part of why uh, I enjoy them so much. Um, well, you know, we said that this one was a very polarizing film. Um, the next one we're going to talk about is not polarizing at no all. Way. It's uh, universally the least popular of all the Rocky movies, and that is the 1990 Rocky Five. You know, there's a line in Rocky Three where Mick says that uh, the worst thing that could happen to a fighter is when he becomes civilized. I think as a content creator, Rocky is so civilized at this point because the there are remnants of ideas that are there. For whatever reason, I think he wants to show off his ability to act and be a little bit of a softer character. And sometimes it's okay, and sometimes it doesn't work at all. Uh, but yeah, like the, you know, there's there's lots of uh, you know I've never been I, I've been disappointed seeing a Rocky movie in the theater once, and I had to pretend <laughs> like I wasn't, but I really was. I it it just it was so deflating when uh, when this movie was over. But um, yeah, so that that'll be the topic of the next one, and uh, we are halfway through here, almost half. You know, we'll do the epilogue, which will be a, a shorter episode than these have been, but. As, as far as the actual films in the series, we have just finished the halfway point. And like Duan said, we will be back for Rocky Five.